This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger, and ladies, today we are going to jump back into our chronological look at the book of John. Uh, In our last episode, we stayed in John a little bit, uh, kind of looking at some familiar phrases, some repetitive phrases would be a better word. Uh, that we see that we see in John six, but uh, now we're jumping back into that chronological walk that we're taking through this gospel, and that takes us to chapter nine, ladies. So turn in your Bibles to chapter nine, and this is one of my favorite stories from John's gospel. Although I feel like I say that a lot, it's just the more I read John's gospel, the more I love it. And every chapter I read, I say, "Oh, this is my favorite chapter." And then I read the next chapter, and then that becomes my favorite chapter, and that's just how that goes. But who doesn't love the Gospel of John? It's such an amazing work, and we're just so thankful for the Apostle and for the way that the Lord inspired him to write this particular Gospel and gift to us, even today. So John chapter 9, you've had enough time to turn there by now, ladies. As a reminder, I am reading from the ESV, and uh, I'm going to... I'm going to kind of skim through this because we don't want to take a lot of time to read all of it, but this is such a great story. All right, John chapter nine. As he passed by Jesus, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And that's really significant, ladies. And there was this mindset um, back in Jesus' day, and it continues in some groups today, you know, this generational curse thing, and you know, either you're going through a rough time because of your sin. That is not always the case. Yes, we are disciplined and chastised for our sin. Sometimes that means that we have earthly consequences, and sometimes Jesus, God, and his eternal plan and purpose has ordained that someone go through a specific set of circumstances for his glory. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying to him, that this man was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And think about that. This is a grown man. And so way back when this man was born, God ordained that he would be born blind so that down the road, Jesus could perform this miracle and God could be glorified. Verse four, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. 
They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they again said to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. And let's pause there, ladies, because the the Pharisees have a problem because Jesus made mud on the Sabbath, right? And um, I think it's interesting. I think it's Calvin suggests actually that Jesus uh, may have purposely been doing so many of these miracles on the Sabbath, kind of making a point here, because if you remember, we have previous miracles that Jesus has performed on the Sabbath. Jesus, ladies, don't forget, Jesus never broke God's law, but he may have broken man's law in terms of the pharisaical laws that said that you couldn't make mud and heal a man on the Sabbath, if you will. Their their laws were so nitpicky to keep people from sinning, to keep people holy, that they ended up being so far from the true gospel and faith that had been given forth by God that they couldn't see past their own laws. And so Jesus was not breaking God's law here by healing or quote-unquote working on the Sabbath. But the Pharisees are saying, oh, well, he can't be from God because he's breaking the Sabbath. Well, no, no, he's not actually breaking the Sabbath. And I, I also want to pause here, ladies, and I want to go back to, to this first, these first few verses here where Jesus heals this man. He makes the mud and he rubs the mud on this man's eyes and he tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam and the man comes back seen. And ladies, don't lose sight of the fact that this is a metaphor for salvation, isn't it? Opening the eyes of the blind and only Jesus can do that. And so it's pretty clear that we have this parallel here in this very real, very true, very physical story, a parallel between physical blindness and spiritual blindness. And remember why John is writing. Why is John writing? Why did he choose the narratives and the accounts that he chose to include? He's writing so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing we may have life in his name. Don't forget that. Don't lose sight of that as we're walking here through John. Okay, back to verse 18. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received a sight until they called the parents of the man who had received a sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. And here's fear of man right here, ladies. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. 
And ladies, we're seeing this progression in this man, this progression of understanding who Jesus is. And so often we see that with salvation. You know, you get saved, you're a babe in Christ. We use that phraseology so often. And yet sometimes those of us who have been Christians longer, we expect someone who is newly converted to understand all the doctrines of grace and all the nuances of things that perhaps we've been studying and learning for years, decades. And yet we expect someone to, to just know them at the drop of a hat at the moment that they're saved. Did you understand all of the the doctrines of grace and, and the, um, the golden chain of redemption and, and all of this? Did you understand all of that in the moment that you were saved? I venture to say you didn't. And you grow and you grow in your understanding and your knowledge of Christ and in your understanding and knowledge of how this happens and how God makes this happen. And you never come to a full, complete, comprehensive understanding because God's ways are higher than our ways. And we see this in this man. I know that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, verse 26, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Well, do you also want to become his disciples? I love that. And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And here is, is such an amazing revelation that this man is having, and he probably doesn't even realize he's having it as he's speaking. Only God can open the eyes of the blind. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Okay, so he's been shunned from the quote-unquote church, if you will, the temple, the synagogue. But he hasn't been shunned from Christ, has he? Because their religion is a false religion. And so it's okay if the Pharisees put you out of their church. Jesus does not cast you aside. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see your guilt remains. Jesus didn't just heal the man and leave. He came back. He reveals himself to this man. We see that in verses 35 and following. And we see that, that understanding that, this, that Jesus grants this man of who Jesus is and, and of the nature of salvation. Only Jesus can open the eyes of the blind physically and spiritually. And something else that's interesting to me in these verses, ladies, and in this story is, is to realize that our experience matters. Now, 
let me qualify that um, because, you know, someone says, oh, God spoke to me and it's re then you can't argue with that. Right. Because, well, I didn't have that revelation. I can't stand there and say God didn't speak to you. God speaks through the Bible. We speak to the God through prayer. He's done speaking in ways outside the Bible. You know, all of this argument, blah, blah, blah. OK, put a pin in that and set that aside. And acknowledge for a moment, ladies, that your experience, your, your faith experience does matter in terms of, and what I mean by that is your experience of salvation and what God has done for you. Now, your salvation story is not the gospel. Um, so, you know, giving your testimony to someone, that's all well and good, but you need to Make sure that the gospel is front and center. Make sure that Jesus is front and center and not you and your story. But if, pe if people see a changed life, if people see a change in you, it matters. It makes an impact. They notice that. If you were saved later in life, then you probably experienced that. I know I did with my coworkers, and I had been a professing Christian, but then I actually got saved because I hadn't actually been a true Christian. And there was a difference, there was a change. I didn't wanna do the same things that I had done previously and people notice that. And that gives you opportunity to testify about what Jesus has done for you. And this man knew what had happened to him and he didn't fully understand or comprehend that it was a gradual stepwise uh, process that happened there. But he knew that he had been blind one moment Jesus made mud and put it on his eyes and he washed and then he could see like he that you can't really argue with that. That's what happened. And he knew that's what happened to him. And it didn't matter what the Pharisees said. Pharisees didn't want to believe him. And the Pharisees were like trying to convince him it didn't happen. And it's like, no, no, this is what happened. I know God changed me. And I just think that's significant for us to realize and to acknowledge and to not diminish necessarily our own personal experience of salvation. Not that it's first and foremost, but that it is something that is part of our story. That's, that it's something that glorifies God and it allows us to give witness and testimony to him. J.C. Ryle actually speaks to this a bit in his commentary on John. He says, there is no kind of evidence so satisfactory as this to the heart of a real Christian. And I want this to encourage you, ladies. Ryle says, his knowledge may be small, his faith may be feeble, his doctrinal views may be at present confused and indistinct. But if Christ has really wrought a work of grace in his heart by his spirit, he feels within him something that you cannot overthrow. I was dark and now I have light. I was afraid of God and now I love him. I was fond of sin and now I hate it. I was blind and now I see. Let us never rest till we know and feel within us some real work of the Holy Ghost. Let us not be content with the name and form of Christianity. Let us desire to have true experimental acquaintance with it. Feelings no doubt are deceitful and are not everything in religion. But if we have no inward feelings about spiritual matters, it is a very bad sign. The hungry man eats and feels strengthened. The thirsty man drinks and feels refreshed. Surely the man who has within him the grace of God ought to be able to say, I feel its power. And I think that's important for us to remember and not lose sight of, ladies. Okay, so today for our uh, recommendation, endorsement, whatever you want to call it, 
Ladies, I recommend to you, if possible, to get a hymnal. Um, you know, preferably one that's chock full of those those old faithful hymns, which aren't all doctrinally sound, to be clear. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's good. But the older hymns were written very specifically to teach and to teach doctrinal truths. And so many of today's songs aren't, they don't really have that purpose in view. Um, they may not be wrong or bad. Most of them all sound the same to me, but that's beside the point. Um, but I encourage you to get a hymnal and maybe even include that as part of your devotions. Just, you know, read a hymn or hum a hymn or sing one if you can sing. If you're me, you don't do that. You just read it. Um, but learn from those who have gone before and um, commit those truths to memory. I think you'll find it to, to be a real blessing to you and to your family. And as a parting thought, ladies, I'm going to turn back to Ryle's commentary. And he says, It is curious that we hear no more of this man who was healed. It is pleasant, however, to bear in mind the thought that there were many who believed in Christ and were true disciples, whose names and lives have never come down to us. We must not suppose that there were none saved, but those whose histories are recorded in the New Testament. The last day, we may well believe, will show that this man was only a type of a large class whose names were written in the Book of Life, though not recorded for our learning by the inspired writers. And I thought that was an interesting thought, ladies, to not forget, not lose sight of the fact that there were so many more who were impacted and saved by Jesus back when he walked the earth. Just like today, there are millions millions of members of the church, the universal church of Christ's body, who we will never know and who don't make the headlines and who aren't written about in blogs and don't even have their own blog. And yet their names are written in the book of life. And perhaps that's you. That's most of us. And that's okay. We just are called to be faithful to God where he has placed us in this day and time. So let that be an encouragement to you ladies. And until next time, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Thanks for listening.